Hello, everybody, and welcome to Bag and Boardcast, episode number 300. We did it, guys. Who thought we would do it? I thought we'd be done after three episodes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, now we're done after 300, right? Right, yeah. We did was, it. That was the unspoken cutoff point, I think. All right. Right? I'm Chris. <laughs> I'm John. <laughs> I'm Paul. And we just upset... Weekly? Oh, sorry. I oh. said I was going to say, and we really upset all of our fans <laughs> by, by even joking that we were quitting. Well, why would we do that? Because we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being the Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list of the comic books that we are looking forward to coming out May 11th, 2016. We follow it up with our weekly rotating main topic, and this week it's our April lookbacks. We're going to be taking a look back, that's where we get the title from, at some of the new number ones that came out over the past month. Uh, this time we're going to be looking at Joyride number one, Poe Dameron number one, Moon Knight number one, Black Road, number one, and Rough Riders, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as always, uh, we start the show with a beer. And uh, Chris, please tell us about your beer, because then you're going to hate us when we talk about our beer. Uh, my beer, it's a newer beer from Founders Brewing, located in um, the, see, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is their Sumatra Mountain Brown. This is an Imperial Brown Ale brewed with Sumatra coffee, uh, sitting at 9.0 on the alcohol by volume. Uh, you definitely get a lot of the coffee up front. It's a strong black coffee taste. Uh, but then, man, you get that Imperial Brown on the back end. You get that little bit like that alcohol sweetness. There's a lot to this one. I've only taken one sip so far. Um, this beer traveled down from Michigan in some luggage, so it poured like with a really big head. I don't know if it was supposed to do that. I'm going to try pouring a little bit more and slower to see uh, so I can take another sip. If you guys want to introduce your beer. Uh, so, Paul, go- oh, yeah, this is uh, from that Voodoo Breweries from uh, Meatsville, PA. Their Barrel Room Collection, and this was their big, uh, their big boy. This was the one that they kept on saying, hey, if you want this, you got to buy the barrel collection. This is their man bear pig. This is a uh, beer that was what was it? It was a Here, bear. It's here, bourbon here's barrel. The thing. Here's the thing. So this this beer takes three years to make. Right. It's a bourbon barrel. It's a bourbon barrel. So that they put first. They take local honey and maple syrup and age, in. age that in an empty bourbon barrel. Yep. Now I want that that maple syrup and honey. And they do that for a year. Mm-hmm. Then they brew the biggest, robust imperial stout with house-made applewood and hickory mulch. Mm-hmm. Uh, or hickory-smoked Munich malts. Okay. Then they age that in the barrel that held the bourbon, <laughs> maple, and honey. Mm-hmm. And this beer is... So smooth for fourteen point like two percent. Well, because they let it mellow out in that barrel for over a year, and then they bottled it, and then we're drinking it. They, they bottled it back on. Uh, well, it's a tw- it's a beer that's three years in the making. Mm-hmm. So not only did they age the honey for a year, they mm-hmm. aged this beer in the barrel for two years. Two years, okay. And then they finally bottled it back in February. So we put another uh, three months on it. Yeah. So. Um. Not this, that three months all that mattered. When I popped the lid off of this and I took a smell, I was like, oh my gosh, honey. Mm-hmm. That's really what you get off. 
And then your first sip is like maple. Mm-hmm. That's honey sweetness. That and it almost has that honey mouthfeel to it too. Yeah. That very well, creamy, this, like, like almost sticky kind of sweetness. Um, but it's not very like a very thick beer. It coats your fingertip. Yeah. Like when you dip your finger in there, you you're left with <laughs> this beer residue on it. No, no, it like, like coats your finger. It's yeah. like it's almost like dipping your hand in wax. It's crazy. Uh, but every other sip you're getting, you're pulling out some weird flavor. That first mm-hmm. sip is that maple. And then my second and third sip, I'm like, wow, you can get like that hickory. Mm-hmm. And then Paul and I both took a sip at the same time. And, and we're we, like, and the we, back of the jaws right here, man, we, that chocolatey flavor. We both point to the that same imperial- part of our jaw and just like, did you get that pinch of like bitter chocolate? It's, it's uh, from the at imperial, that strong imperial stout. This beer is ridiculously mm-hmm. good. Yeah. It's it's, it's a really nice sipping beer. It's something that you want to sip on like during a cold night. Yeah. But... Yeah, and just right. to confirm for everybody, this is that one that you had to pick up at the brewery, limited mm-hmm. edition, right? So you're not going to be able to find it no. Out, no. out in the wild. Uh, we, had, we drove down on a uh, Tuesday afternoon mm-hmm. um, after work, checking our the Facebook to see how many allotments of this beer they had left. There was somewhere between like 17 and 20 by the time we finally got there to buy it. Mm-hmm. Then we had to go back down at a later date to pick up the beer. Yep. Uh, uh, the end. So that was at the like the first week of the month of March, and then we finally got to pick it up the last weekend of the, the last week of the month of March. So. And this just came in a, a small little 12 ounce bottle, mm-hmm. but. We only got the one bottle. Yep. We, we got two. Okay. Oh, we got two bottles? Yeah, we have two of these. Oh, so my question is, how long are you going to sit on it? There's another one of these. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know. I, I say just a year on this, man, if, do if you think that. It, do you think it I would, like, needs another year, or do you think like right now would be the best time to go for it? I think I think this is a beer we drink when you're back here uh, the night before John's <laughs> wedding, and just like sit, sit around just talking and catching up, and... Yeah, sipping I'm, on I'm this. With that. I think. Yeah, I think that's because you don't want to drink too heavy the day before your <laughs> wedding. You got pictures in the morning, sir. Yeah. So you know we drink light by drinking really good uh, stuff split three ways. Yeah. No, I, I'm totally down with that. No, this is definitely I. The, yeah. fact, the fact that it's already been aged two years in the barrel yeah. makes me not want to put too much more time on this. And we're not getting any of that high alcohol punch or anything that makes me think that, oh, you know, this would nice needs to mellow out. Yeah. I think some of the flavors might mingle a little bit better if it mellowed out just a little bit more. You know, they, instead of getting a punch here and punch there, like them all kind of coming together, relaxing together would be nice. But that might happen if we just, you know, sit on it with it open. Yeah. Which we right, have so the I, full episode to mm-hmm. drink this. So I've drank a... I was going to say a little bit more, but a lot more of the uh, Founder <laughs> Sumatra Mountain. And what I initially said does hold true. Um, a lot of black coffee up front. Back end, you have like that imperial brown. But in the middle, there's a nice like caramely sweetness that kind of sweeps in. Like This is like a three-stage beer. Like, I, I don't know if you'll be able to find it out there. I mean, I know Founders has a pretty decent footprint. If you haven't grabbed this yet, get it. Yeah, it's one of those ones I've just been... I have so much beer I've been buying. Yeah, Lexi went back to Michigan last week to visit family. So 
I was like, are you going to Founders? Are you going to Founders? Are you going to Founders? Is that really a question that somebody, like, <laughs> you, go to, you, you go to Michigan first, like, you're going she, to Founders. Well, she was only going back for, like, two days, so it wasn't, like, a lot of time. So it was one of those, yeah. if you go, let me know what what they have. So when she was there, like, I told her, like, which ones to check out because they had basically just their typical, like, monthly releases, um, which it was, like, the Mango Magnifico, which I don't need yeah. to have anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was really interested in this one and another one because it's not something that I've seen down here yet. And since it's a pretty recent release, I wanted to actually get my hands on it. But this is a fantastic brown ale. Like, it it seems so much more than just a regular brown, just with that addition of the coffee. Right, right. Like I, This is something that I would probably put at the top tier of my, like, nut browns. Um, nice. I'm sad I won't be able to have it more often. It's definitely a sipper. I mean, that imperial richness on the back end, it's it's something that you kind of want to savor a little bit more. Uh, I, I've drank a lot of it just to like, nail down those flavors up at the front. I, I could see myself sipping on the rest of this for the rest of the episode, but I have another beer I want to try as well. So, hey, it, its service is appreciated. Nice. I will say that. Uh, and what we can say we appreciate is Civil War. Oh, yeah. Uh, not quite news, but all three of us saw it, so that's, hey, that's crazy. That, no, that is that is news. It we is, all saw the movie. Yeah, yeah, that's news, and also it's the first movie in the Bracket Buster. Oh, yeah. So maybe we should have those numbers. I thought you were on top of it. Boxofficemojo.com says that uh, its Friday estimate was $75 million. So uh, we don't have the weekend estimate yet because that usually happens by seven o'clock at night here on box office mojo but uh, hey today's today's sunday it's mother's day yes it is happy mother's day enjoy your mother's day uh i'm gonna pose to you a question guys because i did the same thing i just recorded uh perks and rec with janet who is your favorite comic book mother oh comic book mom okay um i know paul's oh really Okay, yeah. tell me mine, and then I'll be like, well, oh, yeah, well, no. of course. No, John, you tell me oh, yours. right. Okay, or tell yeah. us yours. And then when Paul steps in, I'll be like, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, I know who, I know, I know you know mine now. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you thought about it for a second. Second, and I'm like, oh, right, yeah. I guess, I, I guess it would be Aunt May. And Marissa T- Tomei Aunt May? <laughs> okay, yeah, agreed. Uh, Hot Aunt May, but you know what? She's that that character. I grew up reading Spider Man, so she's always kind of been that part, and she's always you feel like she always knew that Peter was Spider Man. A little closer. She you always knew that she you know that she knew that Peter was that, and she always loved him unconditionally, no matter what, except for the fact that she. Uh, dated Doc Ock for a while. But, uh, no, she's, I think she's that character that I've always, uh, I think I've always kind of, she's always been that mother figure in my comic book world for me. No, for, she's, like, she's definitely one of the standouts. Yeah. Chris? Uh, my pick, and this is nothing to do with Civil War, but everything to do with Ant-Man, is, uh, Peggy Ray Burdick. A.K.A. Scott Lang's ex-wife, Cassie Lang's mother, 
she, she has some crap luck in the uh, realm of ex-husband and daughter. So, hey, happy Mother's Day. I'm sorry for everything you have to put up with, with your husband dying, then just being a schlub superhero, and then your daughter having so many issues. And now, do we say Paul's in the count of three? We all say it at <laughs> yeah, once. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One, One. two, three. Two Richards. Storm. Well, I went with Richards <laughs> because, you know, she's progressive, but she did but she did not keep her maiden name. Uh, yeah. Uh, talking about having a rough go of it. You I, know? Just, I just, like, how Paul is like, how, 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 how do you know? What was it going to be? Like, uh, oh, right. That's, yeah. There's no other answer. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, because I'm going through, like, I went through the Avengers, and I'm like, there's no real mother, moms in Avengers, you know? And then I went through Batman v Superman, and I'm like, Martha, I don't care. No, nobody cares. Nobody cares. And then uh, I'm like, oh, right, right. Of course, it's Sue Richards. Talking about uh, having rough, uh, rough luck with uh, who you fall in love with. You fall in love with a mad scientist that uh, always kind of puts his work before his, his family. And then he's like, wait, nope. At the last moment, possible second to save everything, he's like, "All right, I got to put my family first. And then, uh, and she's the one just trying to hold all that chaos together, and and make sure this uh, superhero team stays a family. So, uh, happy Mother's Day, Sue Storm, for making the impossible possible. Sue Richards, please. <laughs> Sue Richards, she's progressive. Paul. She, she's progressive. <laughs> she she has Val. As a daughter, which just is crap. Right. Because, man, she is not good. And she's been written out of the Marvel... They've all been written out of the Marvel Universe right now, so who knows? They're in other books. And she has to put up with all the Fox adaptations for the movies, which is just bad news bears all over the place. So Civil War. Sorry. Yeah. No. Tangent. Uh, uh, how would that fight scene go? Spoilers. For the movie. Go ahead and jump uh, five minutes, let's say three minutes into the podcast, because we're going to go full spoiler here, right? Yeah, we'll go full spoiler. How does that fight scene happen without Spider-Man? No way. It just... He adds so much humor to it, and it because that could be a really dark fight scene, because it's friends just beating the crap out of each other. And he adds that air of, like, just fanboyness and like oh cool I'm finding Andy's able to take down those two Uh like I mean Winter Soldier and Falcon you know Mm -hmm. Iron Man couldn't even take down Winter Soldier aside from I I think it a lot of that is he brought something new to the battle like he was kind of that X factor that nobody was really prepared for Mm -hmm. so I can chalk it up to that like they didn't know what they were in for that was kind of Tony's you know ace in the hole I think that fight scene could have been done without him. Um, and I'm not saying I would want to see that, but you did still have Ant-Man there for that like comedic, lighting the whole tension mood. Mm-hmm. Um, John and I talked about this a little bit pre-show. Paul, you were in the other room. Uh, the uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon stuff, that was fun. I like these two friends that have the best friend in common, so they're kind of at very light odds with each other. Mm-hmm. I like that relationship. That was a lot of fun. I think we probably would have had a little bit of that still carry through, like depending 
on who they were up against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think you could have done this without Spider-Man. I'm not going to say, like, I know how. I'm, I obviously love the fact that Spider-Man was there. I think the Spider-Man stuff was really good. Ant-Man but. being in a Captain America or in uh, Iron Man's armor was great. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you're going to have to go. We're conscious. We don't really talk anymore. <laughs> it, Some good lines. Uh, I love when he hands him the truck and he's like, "Throw this at this," oh, yeah. and then it like explodes into. I thought that was a water truck. <laughs> oh, oh, my bad, my bad. <laughs> Some great moments. Like they they packed know? so much Ant-Man stuff into such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. That it made me happy that we had a full Ant Man movie. Um, it, it was so much fun, though, yeah. and, and that was like one of the darker scenes in that movie too, because that's where it's literally like, "Are we doing this? Like, what? What? We're actually hap- This is happening. Okay, okay just run. There's just no run, yeah. guys. There's no turning point. This is the breaking point. There's no turning back from this. You, there's going to have to be some therapy sessions. And even like uh, Black Widow, Black Widow and Hawkeye are talking about it during their fight. Yeah, which is like we're still friends, right? Well, depends on how hard you hit me, and like Sarah Witch and breaks him apart because she's like, and then you're pulling your punches. Yeah. and and that's what I really enjoyed about all the fight scenes in this movie because most of the time, like I'm watching a fight scene and I just like get bored of it because I know it's just spectacle and it doesn't advance the story along. Here, a lot of character moments. A lot of characterizations going on during it, and it's testing the friendships too, and that story's yeah. being told. Uh, and all of the, especially at the one at the end, where it's like, look, I knew, but I couldn't tell you because I thought I was saving you. I was really saving myself from telling you what horribly happened, but he's still the guy that picked me up when my parents died when I was 15. You know, he's, he's the guy that. Yeah has always had my back. I have to have his back here. And that moment at the end is pretty much just Tony Stark just letting loose and mm-hmm. punching out yeah. his emotions. And he's doing it against two guys that can take that punch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing that Paul and I were talking yesterday about was the way they set this boat, this up is neither side is wrong they both are you should they show you why they're doing it yeah, yeah. They show i think exactly, they did a great job of not like vilifying either side like cap or tony yeah well viola williams showing or viola davis right showing yeah, up yeah. at the beginning there i'm like oh man this guy is already dealing with guilt over this he's already do and the guilt just keeps on coming and yeah. it's like okay i can understand why he wants to and i think captain america uh you know, Steve Rogers had the perfect line for it. He's like, "No, this isn't removing guilt. We're just shifting it. No, you yeah. don't want to deal with this guilt anymore, Tony. So you're just shifting the blame off to the United Nations or whoever will send us out. Yeah, like bad things will still happen. You know, but we're but if and I liked Spider-Man's line too, where every line I think delivered to Tony Stark is like, "Don't you see how you're kind of wrong here? Like." Spider-Man says, "If I don't, if you have the power to do something and you don't do it, the bad stuff that happens is your fault." No, like it's on uh, you. Definitely. So I, the, I love the Scarlet Witch stuff. I mean, I liked her in Age of Ultron, but now that we kind of get to see her, I don't, I don't want to say on her own, but mm-hmm. just kind of flexing those muscles a little bit. 
like that made me be like, all right, yeah, Scarlet Witch, badass. Like I want to go check out that Scarlet Witch book that I read the first issue of, but I really wasn't invested in it. Yeah. Uh, this makes me kind of want to revisit it. And two thoughts, one sentence here. Uh, what I got from this with Captain America is what I wanted from Superman and Superman Batman. It, there's a lot of terrible stuff happening. Mm-hmm. The chips are down. It's a dark movie, but there's still that hint of brightness there to it. Yeah. Like when he's fighting Spider-Man and he's just like, you, you got heart kid. Where are you from? That mo- <laughs> yeah. That, that. that moment I was like, okay, like you can have just the knockdown drag out superhero battle, but still have, a character be stand up and mm-hmm. I guess just like respectful. Yeah. Like that alone made me be like, yeah, Superman, Batman, like super, have Superman be Superman, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Definitely. And I think there was in my mind, this movie was going to be well done. And it was going to capture everything. Right. Mm-hmm. I had no fear. I had no like twisting gut, like, Oh, God, they're not going to get this right. Batman, Superman? No, I had that. I was like, mm, this is either going to be the biggest train wreck ever or somehow it's going to work out. And, you know, we got the train wreck. Uh, one point of praise from my wife, who isn't the biggest superhero fan. She, she didn't like Iron Man. She, she's Iron Man's okay. She's turned the page. <laughs> she used to not like, she venomously did yeah. not like Iron Man. I don't, okay. Uh, but, and I, specifically because they held a gun up to the, the child's kid. head. Yeah, the kid's head, which was like a little extreme. But, um, yeah, there's a move, you know, sometimes there's a moment that will just turn you off to a mo- movie, and that was one of those kind of moments. She said, uh, this is done more for her to like Captain America than any other, like, comic or, you know, because Captain America has a Superman problem where he's just always goody two shoes, and she's like, She's seen the other Captain America movies. She's seen all the Avengers movies uh, multiple times now because, you know, she's married to me. Uh, and for my birthday, I forced this stuff upon her. And uh, she's like, well, at least I liked Captain America in this movie. You know, this has done the most for her to actually like the character of Captain America because he is just doing what he feels is right, and he's not going to back down. And he stands up. He'll take a beating. And he's just going to do what's right because he can do it all day. I, but that is the character from the first Avenger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yep. It's the throw the live grenade. He's the scrawny guy that jumps yep. on the grenade where all the big hero guys run away. Right, right. That's Someone asked that me, character. Like, I mean, everyone knows I'm a huge comic book nerd. So it, as soon as a new movie comes out, everyone's like, "Did you see it yet?" Uh, and someone was like, "So." You saw the best superhero ever made, right? And I was like, I I don't know if I can put it up there yet, but it's definitely up there with Winter Soldier because mm-hmm. I think with Captain America movies, they've been the first one. Admittedly, like not great. We did a review of it on the show. Like we all, I think, appreciated it, but it wasn't what we thought it could have been. Whoa. But Winter Soldier and Civil War, I think Captain America is a great lens to look at the Marvel Universe through. Mm-hmm. Even, even for Tony Stark, because Iron Man 3, probably a little bit lower on my Marvel superhero movie list. Mm-hmm. But I 
I can deal with Tony in, I don't want to say like the smaller doses like we get in Avengers or Civil War, but I think when you have him shoulder so much of the weight of everything that's going on, he works best with that support team, like when he's got Pepper or Rhodey with him. I think Iron Man 3 was just too much Tony, because at some point, it just it just loses it. Yeah. Kate likes Iron Man 3. She calls it the Pepper movie, because Pepper Potts is, so, <laughs> is in it so often, and she's like doing heroic stuff, you know, getting kidnapped, though, at the very end. But. Yeah. And I mean, I enjoy the uh, Tony Stank. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That he's, he's, that's Tony Stank. That was the, uh, one of the best uh, Stan Lee uh, cameo? cameos. I think it was. Because it reminded me of his cameo as Willie Lumpkin. <laughs> no, I, I really like the uh, 90-year-old, frail Jewish man from New York in the pickup truck trying to pull the hammer out. Because it's like, what is that guy doing there? <laughs> well, he's, no, he, yeah, he's, uh, did we get it? <laughs> did we get it? Bumper came uh, right off. Final thing I have to say about this. I had someone, like I was talking to you yesterday at work about a Civil War, and we were talking just about Vision, because they're like, he can just move through stuff? And I was like, I put on the nerd glass, I was like, well, as a spinozoid, he can control his molecular density, and they're like, ugh, no, done. <laughs> and they're like, but then the uh, conversation continued, like, you know, I really like the stuff with him and Scarlet Witch, and I was like, yeah, like that was awesome. And then in the comic books, they were actually a couple. They were married, and they were like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, comic books. They have a history." Well, they can't like everything between those two. You knowing that you see it, and then the fact that like he misses and hits Rhodey, and he's like, "I was distracted." Like, yeah, because yeah. the woman that he loves was knocked out. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that that moment when Rhodey was falling. I, I know I said I was done, but <laughs> I was just like, oh, God. Like, And I did like the fact that both Tony and, and the Falcon, Falcon <laughs> like, they both make that turn. Like, they just start diving like that. Yeah. See, Even it, though they're against each other, mm-hmm. they're, they're They're still not, friends. Yeah, they're not hateful. Mm-hmm. And that was the part where I was like, during that scene, I'm like, oh, this is how they're going to turn it around. Because Falcon's going to catch him when nobody else could. And Tony's going to look at him. And just be like, just just get out of here. You know, I, I'm not going to chase you anymore. You're like, this this is too much. And then I'm like, nope, they did not pull that punch. They're like, this is this bad things happen when heroes fight. Yeah, the, the movie did a good job of kind of shifting because it was billed as you know that big superhero against superhero fight, and then became something almost much quieter with uh, Zemo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, also with just Tony realizing, hey, I'm a genius. I should have been using my head instead of sticking my head in the ground. Mm-hmm. And he comes, you know, he comes around to go help them and realize he was wrong. And then, you know, hey, Manchurian candidate. This is, yeah. this is the truth. <laughs> like, well, and even hey. I was expecting just another big fight scene when they go to that secret bunker with the extra winter soldiers there. Mm-hmm. And when you go through and you just see them all in their pods. And it's like, that was, that wasn't going to be the final play. Like you both just need to tear each other apart. Like that kind of hit me a little bit harder than I think 
the rest of the stuff did because it was like, no, like you, you're the reason for everything. No, that, yeah. that hurt. I do have a quite you know, because that reminds me at the very end with Baron Zemo, but remember they don't when, call him Baron. Remember when you said just skip forward three minutes? Oh yeah, it's and been like twenty. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, well we're movie. still talking about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, if you came back and you didn't realize you were still talking about it. We're still talking yep. about it. So, uh, who, who's oh, crap, a, we haven't even talked about Black Panther yet too. Who's the, who's the Hobbit? Uh, what's what's his character in this movie? He's uh. Ascend, he's, uh, oh, he's part of the United Nations, an attaché to the United Nations. He's who? What is, is uh, this a character in the comic books at all? You know who I'm talking about, uh, Bilbo Baggins. Uh, Martin Freeman's character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, he's one of the Everett security something. council. Yeah. I don't think he, I don't know if it's somebody we just missed and he's a character somewhere, but. He, he I know he is in the books, but he's just one of those kind of background characters. I think. No offense to Martin Freeman, because I do love him, but they could have just cast anybody in that role, like the two scenes that he was in. Yeah, but he, and you I think know, in a way they did. I liked. I, I just watched also uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. And uh, how was it? It was okay. Uh, it's definitely a war movie with a little bit of humor in there, but it's definitely more of a drama than uh, you, what you would expect from a uh, Tina Fey movie. But it's very good, and Martin Freeman is in there as well. And his character in that, as Ian something, a reporter, reminded me of the character that he's playing here. And I'm like, so I was getting like a weird, you know, when you watch two movies and the same actors almost playing the almost exact same character, but they're in two completely different like genres, you're like, kind of have a character whiplash. You're like, mm-hmm. wait, what? Who is he playing the same? Because he's putting on the same kind of smugness tone, you know, every once in a while. Yeah. But Black Panther, huh? Uh, after seeing this movie, I kind of regretted not spending the four ninety nine for Black Panther number one. Hey, it's okay. It's, I, it's I being almost reprinted. bought that, but then I saw the price point, and I was like, that's a lot for number one. Well, you know what but then is? as soon as I saw this, I was like, man, I should have bought that book, because the Chala stuff was awesome. Well, they, they did this with um, Moon Knight. Moon Knight number one was four ninety nine. Moon Knight number two, three ninety nine. So that Black Panther number two could be three ninety nine now, or yeah, number two. So, so from now on, number two is like the jumping on point for the Magnum Boardcast. <laughs> so ridiculous! You know? The pricing is so especially scary. with the Marvel books, since you get the first the recap page, anyways, right? Well, so, since I have a light week this week, I might pick it up because I'm only buying one issue. So yeah, and it's like a uh, two weeks to a month later. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, the that stuff, the Black Panther stuff was good. It made the character. The Even way, the, the, I, I like. I don't want to say how he shifted, but it became that I'm going to do anything to take out the Winter Soldier. And then after you know, truth comes to light. Like no, I, I, I've got your back now. It's it's that moment where he becomes the king. Mm-hmm. He recognizes that. He sees in Baron Zemo what he will become if he just lets this vesture and just keeps going after this path of vengeance. He's like, yeah, and it's that it's that growing up point for mm-hmm. from going from like you killed my daddy to I'm the you know I'm the daddy I'm the king now mm-hmm. I have to look yeah. at this at a new light and the living aren't done with you kind of recognize. And uh, Black Panther wasn't a character I ever really cared about until the um uh. 
um, Marvel Hickman. Alliance video games? No, yeah. the Hickman, uh, <laughs> the Hickman Avengers, where he was the lead oh, yeah, yeah. in that. That's when I really was like, ah, I kind of like this character, and they're doing a good job of recognizing <laughs> what I liked in the Black Panther and bringing that to the screen. Yeah, he has a no. He he's always serving a very noble purpose. You know, you know, vengeance. I know isn't noble, but he's out. He's out to seek justice. You know, and or he's. He's there to protect what is his. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm worried what a full-length feature could be. Because the same way we talked about Iron Man working better in a group dynamic, I kind of feel like Black Panther works well in that. But, again, I'm not the biggest Black Panther fan. I'm definitely willing and going to enjoy seeing the movie. Because the one, the costume looked great. Oh, yeah. It moved moved great. It looked stellar. So, yeah, I I think they nailed it with the Black Panther stuff. Um, I'm going to side with you, John. I, I've never been a big Black Panther fan, but I like the character, and I this ultimately made me want to dip my toe into reading him a little bit more. So, I'm assuming the standalone movie is Wakanda getting invaded because they're coming after the Winter Soldier. And he's there to defend him. Uh, Tony Stark gives T'Challa back the Vibranium shield, you know, Captain America shield. Because I think he's going to give that back to Steve. No, no, he's going to give it to you know T'Challa, and T'Challa's just going to keep it for now. And then eventually he's going to have to wake up Bucky because he's got to run because they can't, you know. And then uh, you know they give him a new Vibranium arm plus. Now he has the shield, mm. and that's how that movie ends. With maybe with Bucky on the run with the shield. Because well, I, I looked at the timeline, our next movie is Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Then after that is technically Spider Man. Then Guardians of the Galaxy two. Then the next Marvel movie is Infinity War. So I can't see just- setting up. Thor Ragnarok come in. Oh, I thought about I forgot about Thor. Uh, Thor's after Spider Man. Okay. Which I, I can't see them bringing back any of the kind of more grounded stuff. No, it's going to be all in Asgard, and and I, I think this is where you're going to see the World War kind of like the the Gladiator Hulk from Planet Hulk. Mm-hmm. It's going to be in Ragnarok. That would work because. The, uh, they did have that line in there even. as like, do you know where Banner and Thor are right now? Yeah. Maybe we'll get that answer. Yeah. Yeah. Half an hour later. Here we are. <laughs> News. News. Uh, something uh, that also came out is that there's going to be a Punisher spinoff show. Uh, I think everyone foresaw this happening, especially after how much the Marvel and Netflix people were saying how much they liked the Punisher in the Daredevil series before the series even came out. I think it's definitely a wise pick for them. Yeah, this was probably the least shocking news story of the past two weeks, because as soon as I saw this, I was like, all right, well, yeah, we had half a Punisher series anyways, so I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more. Uh, and Paul. Yes. You didn't watch... Any of Daredevil season two, right? Nope. Or I only seen the first episode of season one. Okay. After hearing all of the stuff about Punisher, did it make you want to check out season two at all? 
No, because you know what the Netflix series just—it's not entertainment built for me. Okay. It doesn't have that, you know, same kind. Like I'm talking about the things I liked is during those fight scenes, the characterization and stuff, and I don't think I'm going to get that in in these uh, Netflix series. I don't think I'm going to get those lighthearted moments. No, uh, there's really no, yep, no light in this darkness. In uh, some more uh, possibly losing light in the darkness, uh, over on the Warner Brothers side, the uh, Flash director, Seth Gretham Smith, has dropped out, citing creative differences with Warner Brothers. Um, where this puts the Ezra Miller Flash, um, who knows? Seems like they're having a lot of uh, dissension among the ranks, uh, especially with the Justice League and uh, having um, Snyder over there, so much so that they gave uh, Ben Affleck Affleck the producing credit almost to keep... Executive producing, so now he's there to help Zack Snyder with the scripting and everything with Justice League. And... You know, uh, Ben Affleck recently also, what, was it two weeks ago that it was announced or before that? Where, have we talked about it? That he's going to be doing writing, you know, uh, doing the Batman standalone. Zack Snyder's not going to be able, isn't going to be involved with that at all. It's going to be Affleck's own, you know. Like, they want to see a Fargo version of, or not Fargo. Fargo? Fargo version of. uh, (laughs) What, I I mean, even... um the town. The town. I mean, mm-hmm. that was a really well done movie, and mm-hmm. directed and acted that yep. quite well. I, I I love the Batman stuff because Zack Snyder's tone fits Batman better than Superman. I feel. Mm-hmm. I I don't think you can bring that same kind of feeling and aesthetic to the Flash, and that's all that I consume was the difference of opinions. Like, do you go? brighter, happier, like joking with the rogues flash, or do you go Man of Steel Flash? Like I The only thing I really want out of this flash is uh shave that really bad mustache. <laughs> shave that, please. Shave it. Do the world yeah. a favor. You look awful, especially when you have a mask on your face. <laughs> you look bad. Uh I don't know. You want to wrap up news and get over to the yeah, yeah. to the list? Yeah, we're forty minutes in. <laughs> yeah, let's let's head over. Han Solo. <laughs> let's yeah, let's wrap it up. Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, we know, but we don't know anything about the kid really because I haven't seen any of the movies. I, I hardly know how to pronounce his name. Uh, Alden Ehrenreich. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm excited we have something announced for the uh, next Star Wars story after Rogue One, but yeah, I'm not familiar enough with the. Uh, actor to have thoughts on it mm-hmm. so uh we do have thoughts on the it's a bad week for comics for us right it's we're all in agreement i, I think i'm one of the only ones picking up a, a book that's actually coming out this week and that is archie number eight written by mark wade with uh with uh the new artist uh veronica fish and uh we got Harem Lodge is running for mayor of Riverdale. Riverdale. So uh, there we go. I'm, not, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to Batman number fifty-two. Number fifty-one was actually really good. Um, we're coming to the end of Scott Snyder's run 
Uh, I think at this point now, Greg Capullo is actually done on it. Mm. Um, that is but number number fifty two is Scott Snyder with Raphael Albuquerque. So we have the creative team behind American Vampire. Uh, this is just kind of a setup issue for what we're going to be getting after Rebirth launches. Uh, but number fifty one, I loved. It was kind of a turn in what we've been getting from Batman over the past like what three four years now. Uh, it was just a quiet night in Gotham. We have Bruce Wayne back, and not a lot happening, but he's still just watching over the city, and I think it was a really good kind of wind down after just the past craziness that's been happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I agree. And uh, my book actually came out last week. Uh, instead of purchasing this, I accidentally clicked put it in my wish list, so I haven't bought it yet, and this is The Punisher number one. Written by Becky Cloonan and Ooh. art by Steve Dillon. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. So Steve Dillon coming back, back to the Punisher. Back to the Punisher. Uh, Mark Millar, he was uh, was his big uh, run, right? Gar- a Gar- Garth Ennis. Oh, Garth Ennis. Garth okay. Ennis, yeah. I could, yeah. See, I I saw this come out and I was like, oh, that's something to check out because I I do enjoy Becky Cloonan's work, but I'm not the biggest Steve Dillon fan, mm-hmm. even on something like Preacher, which is a series that. I loved There's just something about his artwork that doesn't really speak to me. Um, it's the faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I will read this, but it's not something that I thought worth picking up. Well, it is for me. Because, I mean, I enjoy Becky Cloonan a lot, and I don't mind Steve Dillon. I know exactly where you're coming from, but it just, I don't know. I don't mind it. It's not mm-hmm. the worst art out there. Yeah, I wouldn't want Becky Cloonan to be drawing this book, though, either. I like her in the more macabre. I like her macabre fantasy work. I like her of. fantasy work. Uh, I do find a lot of her stuff is very angular, which is okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was just, it's one of those weeks, like, there. I, looking through, there was absolutely nothing I wanted to, I wanted to pick up this week. Oh, talking and about... And that's very rare. At least I can usually find some type of, like, light... In the darkness. Mm. And talking about things to read, it's time for a dramatic reading. Oh, no. We never talked about who does what. And now, a dramatic reading of Ex Mortis, number one of six, page 15, panel five. What is this place? Carfax Abbey, just outside of London. You've been here two days now. And that was a dramatic reading of Ex Mortis, number one of six, page 15, panel five. I wasn't sure if it was two characters speaking or just a thought balloon. I don't know. I didn't finish the book. <laughs> but books <laughs> we never even heard of this book. It's the page I left off on. Yeah, well, sometimes you like things, sometimes you don't. Chris, do you like the beer you're drinking? Um, Segwayed. It's <laughs> and then the answer was like not really. No, it's uh this is also from Founders Brewing. This is their Palm Reader. It's a pale ale that's brewed featuring Michigan grown hops. It's a pale ale. I'm not a big fan of pales, but Founders is one of my favorite breweries, so I will try literally anything and everything that they put out. So this was the other beer that I was like, hey, you know what? Grab one, bring it back. I want to try it. It's not going to turn me around to pails. It's not something I'm going to swear off. Like I, I'll finish this. Um, 
It's a little bit more of that biting hop. I'm trying to see what they use on it. Um, it's the Zupersazer hop, derived from Saz, a traditional noble hop, hailing from the Czech Republic. Um, this this is basically their Mosaic Promise for this year. As Mosa- yeah, I, I like Mosaic Promise a little bit more. And Mosaic Promise was just a Mosaic pop, mm-hmm. you know, kind of single malt beer um, that they released last year just for the art festival. This year they kind of did the same thing where this was just released in Michigan. Yeah, and you know what? You guys aren't missing out. No offense to founders. I mm-hmm. still love you, but hey, I'm just not into pails. You can't always know. have right. an amazing beer. Well, no, I- not, not everything's going to be a knockout. I do enjoy, like, the single cuts that we picked up from Long Trail. What was it? Yeah. Last episode? Last real episode? Where it's just interesting to taste, like, a pale or a beer done with just one hop, one specific hop and one specific malt. To just to try to understand, you know, what I'm drinking a little bit more. And those well, and if, if you want to share store. what you've been drinking, mm-hmm. um, you guys should go check out uh, WNY Brews, producer Scott's show uh his last episode he actually recorded it on national homebrew day and he announced his new little venture it's drinkthisbuffalo.com uh, it redirects you to wnybrews.com slash drink this and what scott wants is you to basically check into your beers but share it with people um, whatever you're drinking wherever you're drinking it let everyone know. Um, you can comment right on the website here, or you can actually call him at 716-391-CAST. That's a Google 716-391-2278. And let producer Scott know what you're drinking. Hmm. He wants to know all about the beers. So I feel like I'm going to give him a call and let him know all about that Sumatra Mountain, because you guys can find it there. I'm going to give him a call about the uh, Man Bear Pig. Yeah. It's not that far. It's a two-hour drive. No, oh, it's not bad at all. Should have, should have, you know, if he was serious, he should have gotten this release. <laughs> he's not that serious. Uh, <laughs> serious about the doofy things. He's, uh, he's serious about getting the phone calls at 3 a.m. Ha ha ha. But drunken. speaking about serious things, how about our main topic? Mm-hmm. Yes, this is our monthly look back. This is where we're going to be taking a look back at some of the comic books that came out in the month of April. Uh, we had a, quite a few new number ones come out. Uh, but all stuff that we kind of know and love already, I guess. Except for this one right here. Except well, we know the artist. I, I will I will circle back to this, Paul, because this is something that kind of hit me as I was reading this. Huh. Uh, but first up, we have Joyride Number 1. And this is the new book coming out from Boom Studios. So I'm trying to get this uh, opened up here. Uh, this is written by... No! Sorry. Comics all just going really slow. Written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. With art by Marcus Toe, one of our favorite artists, or at least one of mine. Uh, we've talked to him a couple times here now on the show. Uh, but this is one of Marcus Toe's first creator-owned projects. Um, he's teaming up with the two writers that he worked with over on the Maze Trials. Or was it? The Maze Runner Scorch Trials. So I didn't read those books or see that movie. Uh, but they did kind of a prequel comic book to that, so... They got back together and launched this new book coming out from Boom, which is a kind of sci-fi, all-out, fun, action-adventure book. Um, Earth is now basically under a giant dome. They're kind of more of an isolationist 
Sorry, I'm I'm getting Sumatra Mountain right now. Yeah. Isolationist uh, look at things where they've sealed themselves off from the rest of the universe now. And we have a young girl who's decided she kind of wants to step out and see what else is in the universe with her best friend. Um, she wants to go for a joyride? They're, go, they're going for a joyride. They start off by heading to the dark side of the moon where they're going to hitch a ride with a uh, spaceship. And her name is Uma Acolyte. And her friend, I don't know how to pronounce his name because it was like D-Wid, D-Wide. She, she just abbreviates to D at some point, yeah, which I just like. Just call her D. Uh, but then also they have someone that's kind of tagging along with them. It's a member of kind of the Earth Defense Forces who almost seems to be part of a fascist regime where they're blocking the world off from everybody else. Uh, Katrin. And I have to say, I really enjoyed this book. It took a little while for me to get into it. Okay, that's mm-hmm. good to hear. Yeah. But about halfway through it, I kind of realized this is what I wanted the Space Mountain comic book to be. Okay. Okay. And that that's where I was coming from where it's like, it's something that we kind of know because it's two young kids teaming up with that older, like, authority figure mm-hmm. going on an interstellar adventure. But she doesn't even feel that much older. Mm-hmm. She seems like somebody who is trying to act older, trying to be more mature, but is also like secretly loving running away with this. And also two. in well, over her she, head. She now. has that, that moment too, though, like when they're actually out on the moon and she looks up and she's like, what's this? And then it was like, you mean the stars? Yeah, they're awesome. Check this out. Yeah. Uh, this, you know, the thing is, Warren, you said it took a while for you to get into. I had the same problem, like, just getting through it, because this seemed like I kind of wanted them to do, like, with a series, almost give me an adventure where all these characters are kind of bickering at you, because you can see that there's going to be friction, you know, between yeah. all these characters. And I kind of, for number one, I, I kind of wanted to see them maybe thrown into it already, and, like, them just, like, getting through something barely, and then I, I had with the all that friction, thought. and then doing like this issue as almost an out of gas from Firefly, yeah, or like four yeah. or five issues in, like to wrap like after the first this story is arc, how they came together, you know the the break the issue that breaks up the first story arc going into the second story arc. I, no, because th- this is it's only going to be four issues. Um, oh well, then, I, never mind. I mean, you kind of well, have to. But here's the thing, like. It's it's boom. Mm-hmm. I think this is a strong number one. It took me maybe like ten pages to get into it. It's not until they're actually like together mm-hmm. on the moon, and then they have the spaceship come to pick them up, and then twist. Uh, they got catfished into like slavery, but they didn't because they're teaming up with like the transformer robot that's like the goat captain of the ship. It was at that point where I was like, okay, this is. This yeah. is more fun because at the beginning it was a lot of that mm-hmm. world building without actually building the world. It's more just telling you like, oh no, this is what it is. Like, guess how much I had to spend on these shoes? It doesn't matter. Like, we're not going to be here. Yeah, yeah. It, the exposition stuff, it, slowed down. Yeah, I don't want to say it was heavy-handed, but that's the kind of stuff I feel like I have to trudge through as they're setting the tone for the book. Mm-hmm. But then ultimately, like that tone shifted, and like that first. Like ten pages, I, I feel like I didn't need, and I probably could have just gotten in shorter, like you know, one page bursts in subsequent issues, or even just like a couple panels. Uh, you know, 
Yeah, and character de- like the art for the book and the character design and everything. I didn't even realize this was Marcus Toe in the beginning. Really? It's. I mean, there's nothing really that stands out. It wasn't until they're in the spacesuits that I was like, "Oh, those are really cool. They look like a <laughs> grasshopper. They look like bug-like." And then I was like, "Oh, that's really cool." Like, and then I went back to see who the artist was, and I was like, "This is Marcus Toe." Like, it took me off. Like, I was like, not ticked me off, but it just kind of threw me off. I was like, oh, I, "I didn't, I didn't realize." And then going back in, you're like, oh, "Okay, I can kind of see it in the faces and stuff." But after halfway through the book is when I started liking the art. When you see the aliens, yeah, and and then like the ship design and stuff. But this book, I didn't. It's not bad. But it was something like I really couldn't get into it. I liked aspects of it. Mm-hmm. I think, like you said, Paul, like it's something that I. This is something I didn't need to see right away. Yeah. This is something after I like these characters, then you see how they fell in together. Now I would suggest <laughs> reading the last ten pages first, and then yeah. going back and reading the first ten pages because you're Chris. You're right. I, I, exactly. When they get onto the spaceship and they, you know, over, you know, and then you get them to coming together to overcome this thing and then go back and be like, oh, okay, that's why they are not getting along, you know, because they're not actually friends. They're, yeah. they, they're kind of all thrown, you know, some of these people are, well, the one girl is thrown into this kind of uh, adventure unwillingly and un, uh, unknowingly. Uh, like, I, I did enjoy this book, even though it took me a little bit to get into it. Uh, I, I picked this up strictly because of Marcus Toe's involvement alone and I don't think I was let down by it, uh, especially knowing that it's only four issues. We'll see what happens if we get like a series two or something out of it. I don't know what they have planned for the story besides uh, what I've seen so far. But yeah, I, I'm gladly looking forward to number two now, uh, more so than I was when I first started reading this, where I was like, I don't want to say I didn't like a Marcus Toba, because even stuff like New Warriors... Um, when that launched like a year or two ago now, not the strongest book, but man, his artwork was fantastic in it. And I really want to see what he can do with crazy alien landscapes and characters. Um, I don't want to compare this to saga and it's definitely going to be more sci-fi light. I feel it's Mm -hmm. going to be hard to live up to like, that fun family sci-fi adventure that Saga's already been delivering for the past couple of years, but I, I think this would be, you know, a great side read if you enjoy Saga. Yeah, I, it definitely has a Saga feel to it. And talking about space adventures, unwilling uh, people in it, and then willing people to go on mm-hmm. a space adventure, takes us over to Marvel Comics' Poe Dameron. Uh, book one, part one, Black Squadron, Black Squadron, written by Charles Soule and art by Phil Noto. Yeah, and this is basically the mission that we see Poe Dameron on at the beginning of The Force Awakens. Uh, this is the lead up to him actually landing on that planet and finding, I can't remember the guy's name. The Wanderer. Or Tech or... Yeah, The Wanderer. The Traveler. The Explorer. The Explorer. Oh, yeah. Uh, great creative team on this. Charles Soule. Paul, you love him. Mm-hmm. Phil Noto, I really like his artwork. Uh, but something became clear to me as I was reading this. 
he's kind of almost like that John Cassidy style artist where he captures likenesses incredibly well, but everything just kind of seems more posed and static. Even when you have a space battle, like the ship just seems to kind of be like hovering there in midair. Well, you know what I think it is? Because I was looking at this because I was like, man, he really captures uh, Isaac Osmod's face. But it feels like he drew it bigger and then scaled it down and like superimposed it onto the picture. Because like the faces just seem like a little like not off, but size wise, just a little different. And it's like I think he's just trying to get capture that guy's face and then put and then just popping it on. Right, right. Okay, yeah, I can see that. I understand what you're saying. But you know what? Where where the artist might have been a little static in capturing the these actors, uh Charles Soule, man, did yeah. he like capture the voice of Poe. Because there's a there's a lot of times yeah. where I'm like, Yeah, that that sounds exactly like like it was written you know, as if Poe was talking. Because, you know, the whole thing with Poe, like when you first meet him in Force Awakens is how does this work? I talk first, you talk first. Yeah, it just completely yeah. undercuts the drama. And I, I agree. Um, the writing is fantastic on this. He gets wordy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is probably like the wordiest I've seen in Charles Soul book. But there's also tons of actions where nothing's happening. Yeah. Yeah, but it's wordy because Poe Dameron is wordy. He's captured by somebody and he's he starts mouthing off to people. Like, and you then know. you have a general exposition... Organa, I mean Leia Organa, mm-hmm. and then coming up. I just love the one part. No, I don't want to harm your egg. I love your egg. Your egg's great. He's <laughs> <laughs> oh. like, so pals? Yeah, yeah. So pals? Come on. I've been tra- uh This isn't an ex- uh, You're shooting at me. It's not a detonator. It's a tracker. They tracked me. You're- Who? People that will blow up your egg. I don't know. Bad people. Come on, bad guys. Let me help you out. <laughs> it's just like. Ow, you shot the thing out of my hand. That really hurt. <laughs> uh, no, like, definitely, they capture the voice of this book. It's something that I think we, when we all saw that this book was coming out, mm-hmm. it's a character we all liked from the movie, so we all wanted to see what happened. Every time we play Star Wars X-Wing, uh, the uh, miniatures game, you're like, I'm being Poe Dameron. I've never said that. Yeah, you, last time we played it. Out of the two times we played it, 50% of the time that we I played pick, I, I think it's just because it was the only pilot I knew for that ship, and I was like, oh, it's from the upcoming movie. You're like, uh, I, I have a Poe Dameron action figure on my desk right now. <laughs> uh, if someone asks me, like, uh, what was your favorite part of Force Awakens? I'm like, is Poe Dameron on screen? And they're like, maybe. I was like, that one. <laughs> uh, I just rewatched Force Awakens the other day on my sick day from work, and you mean on yeah, Star right. Wars Day? It was actually Star Wars Day, because <laughs> what better day to watch it? Mm-hmm. And Oscar Isaacs, he's just like, any scene he's in, like, yeah. Yeah, he fun. chews it up. I mean, even, like, even going back into it more, the Finn stuff's just so much fun. Uh, it's a great movie. I don't want to turn this into a Star Wars show. Yeah. But, hey, uh... Surprise, second book in this issue, because we have oh, the yeah. sad BB Taj uh, by Chris Eliopoulos, mm-hmm. which is kind of more, I, I don't want to say this, but it's very much like a Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, it's, it's exa- yeah, it's exactly like what I was going to say. Uh, with 
BB-8 being the matchmaker between two uh, resistance X-wing pilots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pilot in the in, in the mechanic. mechanic. Or, uh, oh, is she? Next? She's a okay, maintenance. Technician? Yeah, she's. Oh, a maintenance yeah, she tech. is. My bad. For sure. Me. Uh, I didn't read two yet because I try not to read those sequel mm-hmm. issues when we're going to review them because then we just end up talking about the, the next sequel. issue. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm super mm-hmm. pumped for the next issue. Yeah, I'm last really night I realized that I never bought uh, this past week's book, so I was like, oh, I need to, I need to get those. And then I was like, oh man, Poe number two, awesome. Are you guys uh, interested in Bloodlines, the actual novel that just came out that focuses on Princess Leia in between? No, no. I, I a lot have... of a lot of story beats get fleshed out there, like what caused the breakup between Han and her, and like Ben Ben's fall and becoming Kylo. I, I have kind of a passing interest in the Star Wars novels now. Um, back in high school, I read all the expanded universe stuff. Like I loved every one of those books that came out, and then I just kind of fell off of them as the years went on, mm-hmm. um, and then. Now that we have our Star Wars, I guess, renaissance, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more interested in it. But the first thing I want to catch up on and then kind of keep on is the comic books, because there's a lot of stuff that I missed. And that seems to be like going forward to fill in those the, sorry, the blanks that we have. Okay. The novels, it's going to be a little bit more of a time investment that I don't know if I have right now. But eventually, I would like to. I kind of even want to go back and read the Force Awakens novelization because that was written by Greg Rucka, and there's more. There's supposed to be a lot more information in it. I I thought about getting that on uh, Audible and listening to it. I guess to answer your question, maybe. (laughs) Okay. Well, you know, a book that we did read because John picked it up. Because he will always pick up a new Moon Knight number one, it seems. And I'll always pick a book that one of you won't read. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see it on the list. Number one and on the even, list. Even when you mentioned it, I, like, I went back into the message. Like, it wasn't on there. And I was like, oh, it was like the first one on there. How did you I were know? Moon Knighted by Moon Knight number one. Uh, so You didn't believe it existed, <laughs> but it did. Uh, just recently, I went back and read a bunch of the m- Moon issue, Moon Knight um, back trades and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, re- I read the first volume of that when I was on the plane back from Buffalo, so uh, did like half reading. <laughs> I I really kind of fell in love with the character and really enjoy mm-hmm. Mark Spector as Moon Knight because is he crazy or isn't he? He's like crazy. they really play that really well, and every writer who takes over the character does an interesting job with how crazy he really is. Um, which again, I like because is he crazy or isn't he crazy? And you find, um, you find Mark in a dream state in, uh, a mental hospital where no, no, none of that stuff happened. You're a mental patient. You've been you, here since you were 12. You haven't been going on the adventures. You just think you are. <laughs> And then he's talking to his god who's saying, no, this is the time for you to go. This is the time for you to do these. And all those characters... That's inter- Is that where that ambient noise was coming from? Probably. <laughs> Third mic on in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, hey! It's like I was there. Yep. <laughs> uh, and it is that awesome play of, is he crazy, isn't he crazy? One of the main reasons I picked this up, especially for it being four ninety nine. 
was Jeff Lemire writing it. Uh, Paul and I have been pretty big fans of Jeff Lemire mm-hmm. um, with the different things that he's done. So him writing a character that I really like, okay, I'll spend that four ninety nine to start it out and see how it is. Uh, was I happy to see Moon Knight number two was a dollar less than the first issue? Uh, yeah, it allows me to possibly stay on this book. Um, is it the best story I've read about Moon Knight? No. It wasn't that great. Uh, it wasn't. I actually would probably would like to go back and reread the Bendis Moon Knight stuff <laughs> over this. It seems like uh, a lot of times uh, there was an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer where this kind of happened too, right? Where yeah. she's like in a hospital and they all convince her that no, it was all daydream. It was, and I know other ones are the. It, I know other series have done the same thing, and I always find those the most, like, just intensely make me want to crawl out of my skin because I just don't, you know, I'm like, ah, it's just the prolonged dream sequence, none of this matters. But for, and the whole point of Moon Knight is, that's all that matters, is this internal fight of of him being crazy or not. And, you know, it's Jeff Lemire, who's done a great, uh, did a great story about the world being divulged into and taken, completely taken over from, uh, in Swamp Thing slash Animal Man uh, with Scott Snyder. So, obviously, it has to be invaded by the Seth, the the world invader from that is taking over New York City and made it New Egypt. But does it? Because he's crazy. And I'm like, I don't... I don't. I mean, I don't care. It, I, it's I, just, it's, I, know, I, I do. I, I, enjoy, I, I know what you. I know why you like it, and it's, it's enjoyable, and it can be enjoyable. I just, it just, I'm like, yeah, this is definitely ah. the book that isn't for Paul at all. No, whatsoever. I, I'm, I'm going through it right now. Honestly, like as you guys were talking about, it, I've been reading it, so I'm like 20 pages in. I really like this, mm-hmm. and it could be like the artwork kind of has that Chris Somney, Paulo Rivera feel. But at the beginning, it reminded me a lot of Sandman, just with kind of oh, the yeah. sketchier painting style, and then it completely shifts in. And also that mask. Yeah, when he the mask meets, is very when dreamlike. He, when he meets uh, Kal- Kal- Kachun. Kachun. Yeah, so... Uh, I don't know if, if you're ever interested... Moon Knight needs a Black Panther moment for me. For me to really want to get into this character, and I still don't have that moment. Uh, yeah, go back. I'll go, go read the trades that I have on uh, Comicsology um, because the, that first, that one first trade, I forget who the writer is, uh, Bill something, I think. But he has that moment where he's like just approaching a guy shooting, and he's like, "They always miss." You know, you just keep walking at somebody where they're shooting; they're gonna get nervous. You know, they're punks, kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. he does have those kind of moments where. He's less than crazy. He's mm-hmm. more the vigilante who loves being the vigilante. But people do enjoy really playing with him being yeah. crazy. And this is how do you not stop? This is one flew over the cuckoo's like, nest here. The guy's already you know everybody thinks he's already crazy. So why don't you to lock him away, play up that he's crazy, and have him start doubting himself even more? Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I like I enjoyed it. I am picking up issue two. Are you getting worried at all, though? Because it is uh, Lemire, and he's mentioned that he's the uh, fist of Kaloon, that we're, or not Kaloon, Kanchu, uh, that will end up meaning the leg of Kachun. <laughs> the, the, no, because that's the, the character, that, that's what it's he's been called throughout okay. the... 
other Moon Knight stuff. So, I, I know that uh, Green Arrow got a little away from you when he, he was the to- arrow, arrow totem. No, then, I like that. That's oh, when you, you like, stopped liking it. Oh, that's when I stopped <laughs> Yeah, that was, that was solid, like with the different clans. <laughs> okay. No, that was really good. Uh, I, I just finished Moon Knight, and I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> Come on, I, I was just going to sit here and be like, listening to you, like, I was listening to you and reading it. There you go. Um, I, do, I don't know, 499, though, you said? Yep. For the first issue, went down to 399. What? It's just, like, it's a heavy buy-in price, I oh, think. Oh, trust me, I was kicking myself, and you and I have had that conversation when I went off about pricing on Moon Knight for just the back trades of yeah. Moon Knight. Like, I don't know why they're charging so much for this character. Yeah, I mean, it, it was a good read, though. I, I enjoyed it. I look forward to reading number two, um, especially because it's the same artist that does that kind of introductory scene, where it's like the really sketchy, like mm-hmm. almost like David Mackey, because it's a lot of stark whites, like really sketchy lines. Feels Sienkiewicz. Yeah. But not uh, as, and not as it sketchy. Clicks, yeah. it, it, then it clicks into the, uh, the artwork style that I really seem to like now, like that Chris Samney... Yeah, like really stark blacks and like bright whites, and then a punch of color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like it's it, it's solid. And then like the one panel where he's getting like the electroshock therapy, but it looks like an exclamation point in the panel layout. Yeah, I, I, I dug this book. Um, maybe wait for it to go on sale on Comicsology if you can find it for like two ninety nine. I think that'd be a it, it'd be a better be ju- a great it'd, price. For it'd it. be a better jumping on price, but then they're charging so much for these books. Marvel's pricing is just it's been crazy lately. Well, that's why you buy all these independent books from Image and everywhere else, right? Right. And that's going to take us into our next book which is Black Road by uh, Brian Wood and art by Gary Brown. Um don't you mean Northlanders? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like when this book was like the solicitation for this was like uh, Brian Wood jumping back into like the realm of Northlanders mm-hmm. for a book, and uh, this takes place uh, with Vikings. Uh, this is a small town where a soldier, uh, kind of for hire. His... I took him as the germ- like the Germanic tribes, like during the Roman Empire. Did I misread this? Like during the Holy Roman Empire, like during the, like after the Viking, well after the Vikings. No, because he refers to himself as Norse. Okay. Yeah, this is when the church was really getting into the Northland. Yeah, they were coming up. <laughs> <laughs> but I I'm thought sorry, I, I don't mean to. I like when I was reading this, I was like, "Oh, this, this is like Northlanders." And then part of me started to wonder if maybe this was something that he had a secret kind of sequel in his head. Yeah, like almost like something that was in the drawer, you know, mm-hmm. where. Northlanders got pulled away from him, and he just never got to the story, and then he had the chance with Image to put this down, because it, it's it's very Northlanders, like, just that kind of short story, Viking on the road, yeah. teaming up with, like, a monk. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's how hard life can be now. Uh, no, this actually, like, while reading it, made me think of some of my favorite stories from Northlanders. And from I mean, Vertigo. From Vertigo. And this was a Vertigo series from, like, what, five, or, like, almost ten years ago? No, oh, not that long ago. No, because we reviewed it on the show. Okay. Yeah. We, revoted, maybe, we reviewed it about, like, four mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah, I seven. think it concluded about four years ago. Yeah. Um, 
But no, I mean, it's it's a good story. If you liked Northlanders, it is Brian Wood picking mm-hmm. up with that series yeah. here. Uh, and it's a warrior on the road sworn to protect uh, a, a cardinal as they make their way up the Black Road, which is known to be... The only road to, the, to go to the north. And it's also very dangerous. Very dangerous. And he loses the cardinal, but he then chooses to continue to protect his daughter, who is his guardian angel, who is lurking in the background? Yeah, we don't know. Um, Weird. It has those kind of action story elements that you've seen, almost kind of a little cliche-ish. The warrior who, hey, you paid me to do it, I'm going to do finish my job. Even if my client's dead, you're here, I'll take you north. But we don't have any supplies. You know, it has like those kind of moments, but it's Brian Wood, it's Vikings, and it is still good. Yeah, this came out as Northlanders number whatever, like 37 or whatever number they left off on. I would, I'd believe it. Um, and that's nothing against Black Road, number one, or Image. It's so in line with what we've seen from Brian Wood before that it, it feels just natural. Like, if there had been a hiatus for this book and I was just getting it now, like, I, I'd be like, oh, cool, like, it's Northlanders. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm glad that you picked this up because this one flew under my radar because I don't pay the most attention to, uh, Image or Boom stuff unless it's, something that kind of gets brought to my attention from the creator on social media, like Joyride did with Marcus Toe. This was, in the same week, uh, Jeff Lemire on Moon Knight, Brian Woods on a Viking book, and then um, Peter Tomasi on a Haunted House book. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is my week. Like, Mm -hmm. awesome. Uh, The only one, the one that we're not going to be reviewing is the Peter Tomasi Haunted House one, because... I don't know what I would say about it. Like, it wasn't that great, but, like, the story is bizarre. And there's your review right there. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, well, it, it, is it worth reading, if not worth talking about? If if you enjoy Peter Tomasi, it, him, it really feels like him stepping outside of his comfort zone. Because we've all read him on superhero mm-hmm. stuff. I couldn't tell you another book that I've read of Peter Tomasi's that wasn't like a superhero book. Um, so it's really him stepping outside of like a, maybe a, a comfort level a mainstream to, realm. to do a, this kind of a story. And I don't know how well it fits. Is this, I'm sorry, the House of Penance book? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what book are we actually reviewing? That we John? are reading Rough oh. Riders, number one, written by Adam Glass uh, art by Patrick uh, Olyev. And this is, what if uh, Teddy Roosevelt was uh, Batman? Yeah. And then was signed up to do a secret mission and then had to form a Justice League of people. It's like he's putting together a league of yeah, somewhat uh, extraordinary gentlemen and a woman. Uh, yeah. This is just goofy. It is goofy, and it's it's and it's goofy in all the ways that just make me, as I'm reading it, just hold my head. Though it's like I, it's it's an interesting concept because it does have some steampunk kind of uh-huh. things to it. He has a laser gun. He's got a laser gun. That's a steampunk thing. He's got he's flying around the city in a blimp, saving yeah. people. A dirigible. It's goofy, but it's steampunk. not that self-aware. Yeah, it's a it's serious. Like it's, 
Yeah, it's all very straight laced, which I yeah, that's what makes me hold my head. Me out yeah, like if it had been a little bit more fun, I might have I might have bought into it. I might have drank that Kool Aid. And then, and then, I mean, after years of reading Cracked and watching Cracked <laughs> videos, uh, Daniel O'Brien has turned me into a Teddy Roosevelt fan. I, I don't, as I rightfully should be, because that dude was awesome. He was super awesome. I don't know why it took those two for you to realize. I, I, he had the boxing club in the White House. <laughs> um, now, like, I enjoyed this. I Up until a point, I enjoyed this book. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, for a very independent book, it was an interesting idea what they're going to do with it. Yeah, this is actually from a brand new company, Aftershock Comics. Like it's a brand new publisher. Like this isn't something from Boom or oh, I thought it was from, okay. Image or IDW even. Like it's a brand new company. And the production value is very good then for a brand yeah, new. Yeah, no, it, the art it, is it, good, but man, like at some point with these historic these different takes on historical fiction, I'm like, yeah, but the history, the actual history, is so much more interesting than the story that you're telling. That that it makes me hold my head because I'm like, man, but Teddy Roosevelt was awesome and Houdini was awesome and like yeah. what they did that Edison, might not be like, well, well Annie Oakley, yeah, like these like, people. There's a a great team that they're going to be assembling and that's going to be the first arc. I kind of wish this had been a little bit quicker on getting everyone together. Uh, when this book ended with "There's a guy we have to go see" and then you see it's Houdini, it's like that's so stupid that they ended with that, like. This should have been, as we said with the space mm-hmm. book, the team already together. Because yeah. him bringing the team together... Is the least interesting part of the story. Exactly. Uh, having that team together and then having moments thrown in here or there where it's like, and this is why I brought this character on. After he like punches the robot out, you mm-hmm. know? Or the guy slips from the case, you know, from the cuffs, and Teddy's like... You know, that's not the only the good thing he could do. And then he, like, squeezes between the bars or does something like that. Like, that would be better. All those characters, like, com- like, uh, like locked up mm-hmm. and then all of them using their skills with Teddy Roosevelt leading them for their escape. Because yeah. that was the whole plan was to get caught so they got inside the facility. Like, that would have been a better first issue. That would have been that thing where, like, oh, man, this team's great. Look at them go. Instead of like laser guns and laser guns and, and hey, you're a pretty good boxer, but you're not as good as me, and you're what not as good as, sh- as swimming either. Ha! I got you wet. Oh, you tossed me in. Why did he do that? Ha 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 ha! Because I don't like getting wet. Ha 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 ha! Yeah, it was it. This book had promise. That was a I dramatic reading from. <laughs> yeah, I, like Reprise it's not. One. It's not awful. Yeah, I think if you read this more as a full trade. And you mm. kept going, and the characters brought in. Because once you get to like Houdini or you get yeah. to Annie Oakley, I think it would be more interesting than if you hit yourself set, enough to keep pushing yourself. The setup issue. Yeah. I I, don't know. Fuck you, Paul. You've made me read some shit <laughs> on did. this show. I have. I have. But some of that shit, people were like, "Oh, this is one of the best comic books ever. One of the best Marvel stories ever told." <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> Is that next issue? Or next episode? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because, we, Chris, have you gotten Wonder Woman yet? Or I one? haven't. Okay, so, yeah. Then. Well, not only that, it's not your trading policy, sir. It's mine. It's yours? Yeah. Oh. 
What are we reading for your trading policy? Talk- I've told you three times now. I, I don't remember either of those right. defense. I, actually, you have to look it up. I don't remember either. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. I've told you guys a whole lot. Uh, you probably have. Uh, do we want to do a power rating for this month's number ones? Um, Poe Dameron. Yep. Number one. Um, what was the book right before, that we reviewed right before this? Uh, Black Road. Black Road. Uh, I go Poe Dameron, Moon Knight, Black Road, Joyride, then Rough Riders. Uh, pretty much the same, except I'm uh, Poe Dameron, definitely top number one, and then uh, by, a, by a large margin. You know, this is not a photo finish. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, then Black Road, and then even a wider margin. Really, Paul? I'm surprised because I didn't think you liked Northlanders that much. I, I, I have the first trade or first two trades. I think I've read of North Riders, and they're okay. But North that's Riders? why I'm saying, not Rough Riders, uh, Northlanders. You said uh, North- man, oh, bear what if Teddy Roosevelt was a Viking? <laughs> Ooh, he was a Viking. Everybody that knows that. Uh, <laughs> that's why I'm saying by wide margins here. And then uh, Joyride, then uh, the other two books because you know, <laughs> I don't even care. Uh, Moon Knight or Rough Riders. Rough Riders. Uh, Moon Knight probably above Rough Riders. Yes, Moon Knight definitely above Rough Riders. See, I'm I'm kind of different because well, not too different, but Poe Dameron number one. Uh, then I have Joyride number one is my number two, just because I think it was a fun book. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. And then Moon Knight was actually my number three. Hmm. Uh, I enjoyed that a lot more than I thought I was going to, especially after reading Black Road, which I love Northlanders. Uh, it's one of my favorite Vertigo books. I have that as my number four. Um, nothing wrong with it. It's just I've kind of read it before, and I'm interested to see what comes out of stuff like Joyride and Moon Knight. And then Rough Riders number five, um, not bad. It just... I, I needed more from that number one. It could have been a lot better. Yeah. Just give. I know autobiographical comic books don't sell, but man, his life was so damn cool. <laughs> Especially when he was like, "Son, you're probably gonna die soon, but you need to work on your body. You need to get over this." <laughs> and then he became a powerhouse so much so that he's like, "Yeah, I'll do this, but." I'm not going to use your normal military men. I'm going to go get some cowboys and ranch hands, mm-hmm. and then we're going to we're going to go take Cuba. Yeah, and they did. <laughs> Ride around a bunch of horses with the cowboys. The guy was—he doesn't need laser guns. He's you, cool he's, without he's, laser guns. You will never be as cool as Teddy Roosevelt riding a moose through a pond. Cool. And look it up. There's yeah, the picture. He does. Bull Moose Party. Established it. Uh, Anywho, thank you guys for listening. Find us over on our Facebook. Rate and review us. Look us up uh, on the website. Chris is back on doing show notes, so we have that going on. Mm -hmm. Already Uh, typed up the ones for this episode. Feeling great, guys. (sighs) Looking great, Chris. Uh, We're talking about looking great and shaping up your bodies. we got to start running, guys. (laughs) No, we got to start training. Paul, we also have to record that. Yeah, it's true. We can do that after this. Let's... I'm planning on running two miles this afternoon. Ooh. Mm. All right. I'm planning on thinking about running this afternoon. 
Well, make not. sure you rate and review us over on iTunes. We love getting those rating and reviews. It makes the show easier to find for other people, and also it just makes us happy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.